Pastor Doug here from Crossroads. It's great to be with you. I hope that today's message will draw you closer to Jesus. It is good to be with you here this morning. It is typically good to serve alongside Doug and other members of your staff and your board and uh, volunteers. But yes, anytime we plan to get together for food, I need to make sure it's up to par with his kind of standards, or I know he won't get together with me again if I kind of drop the ball there. So... Hey, I'm excited to be family together. I don't know if you know that, but we're, we're family together. And so certainly throughout this region, we're part of the large kingdom, but we're, we're a little small corner of the kingdom as well, the Brethren in Christ family of churches. And so it's, it's good to be family together. Thank you for being so, and also for your generosity just throughout this area. And I don't know if you know this or not, but, but through your generosity, you don't just impact your local community here. You certainly do. I hear the stories of that, and it's really cool and exciting. But in many ways that we serve and impact together, there are ministries we do in common, and you all are a vital part of that. And so if you don't know that, I want you to hear that and know that, and I want you to hear thank you from me on behalf of the whole. There's some things that have happened over the last couple years especially, some that are even very local to here. I don't know if you all know this, but you've helped to plant a church in Allentown, Pennsylvania in the last couple years. You've helped to plant a church in Lancaster City, so not too far from you, but in the downtown of the city. Just in the last year, you helped to send a couple to South Africa who thought they were going to be retiring after numbers of years and kind of the medical service and HR sort of things. And instead of retiring in Maryland, they are now in South Africa and serving many nations there, overseeing some some specific areas that those countries needed leadership in. And you all helped to send them there. And so I just want to say thank you for that. Those are just a few snapshots of who, of what you are doing and how you are impacting other people other than just yourself and this community. So thank you. Um, as Doug said, I, I have a, well, I, we didn't get into the family side of things other than France relates to a family side of things because we had a daughter who was spending a semester there. But my wife Carrie and I live just north of Hershey, so not too far from here. means I can get home before there's a snowstorm later, you know, that type of thing. We have three girls, one of which is in the middle of college and the other two are beyond college. They both live on the West Coast. One's married and has a child, and so um, we have a grandson. And over this last Christmas, in between Christmas and New Year's, we got to have them all around. So depending on what stage you're in, if you're in that young kid stage, you'd like dream of that time when every day is not the hurricane that it is. And then you get past that and you dream of the time when they all will come back and be in your home. So for that week in between Christmas and New Year's, that was our time including to have this little close to a year and a half year old running around the house. Kind of different, but just awesome. Uh, The grandparent thing is all it's cracked up to be. And so um, sometimes, though, when you have this little kid who comes into your life every so often other than FaceTime, you know, you notice changes in them. And then you also start to think back a bit and you look at your kid sitting there holding their kid and you're like, oh yeah, when she was a year and a half year old, you know what, there's a lot of similarities. And so at one point my wife even said, hey, do you remember that picture, our daughter's name is Jordan, do you remember that picture of Jordan, could you go find that? 
And um, one thing that's very similar right now is their hairstyles. So our grandson, kind of business on the top, party in the back, and uh, you didn't think I would come without a picture of him, right? So we pulled out the picture of our daughter when she was a year and a half, and we compared it to our grandson now, when he's almost a year and a half. So sure, his dad's in there in the facial features a bit, but at least in the mullet-style hair, he's got her. So sometimes we look back, but you know, other times we look forward, Have you ever heard of like there's these aging apps where you can take a picture of yourself and or load a picture of yourself and it'll tell you what you will look like in a certain amount of years ahead? Like you look ahead and you think, what will I look like, let's say, 30 years ahead? Well, I did that this past week just to see. What will I look like 30 years from now? Could you post that next picture of me? So here's my problem with that picture. Either... I'm not going to age very much in the next 30 years, or I already look like I'm in my mid-70s right now. My fear is it's more the second than the first. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, okay, that's what I look like in the mirror every morning, and that's 30 years from now? Okay, so I am not in my mid-70s. However, sometimes, I think it's just the dumb app, you know, sometimes though, we look out ahead and we think, what are we going to look like? Well, we as a larger family of churches have been doing that over the last couple years, actually. So the Brethren in Christ Church in 2028 will turn 250 years old, just a few years older than I looked like in that picture, or presently, because I think I look a lot like that picture. But in 2028, the Brethren in Christ Church will turn 250 years old, and a few years ago, we said as a church family... What do we believe we should look like when we turn 250 years old? Actually, more importantly, what do we believe God wants us as a church family to look like when we turn 250 years old? And so we started in a process. We actually started with local congregations and leaders of local congregations. Crossroads was a part of this through their leadership. And we got together every conference of churches. And we got together the people who serve overseas, our global workers. And we said, pray about and discern together what Jesus is asking our church family to look like when we turn 250 years old. Because we want to get there. We want to be what Jesus desires us to be. And so we had group conversations, and we had those all across the U.S. We had it around the world through our global, through our global workers. We then took all of that information, and people like myself who serve in leadership capacities across um, the U.S. all got together and tried to pray and discern and narrow that information down. And then different leadership groups looked at it. And eventually we came up with these ideas, these principles, five of them, that we said, yes, we believe that when we're 250 years old, this is what Jesus is calling us to. And some of it isn't very different than what Jesus, we believe, has been calling us to all along. And some of it's a bit aspirational. Who knows whether we will get there or not. But this morning, our, my hope is that through those and through looking at a particular passage of Scripture, you and I will be challenged and encouraged to continue to look like what Jesus might be calling us together to look like, to embody. 
We're going to particularly focus in on a letter that a man named Paul wrote to an early group of followers of Jesus in an ancient city called Colossae. Now, if you don't know who Paul is, Paul had such a radical encounter with Jesus that after that encounter and life change, his identity changed to such an extent that he started going by a different name. When he had that encounter, his name was Saul, and then he started going by Paul a little bit after that. That's just one way that his life was so radically changed, that his identity was so radically changed. And then following that radical change, he started encouraging Christians, early followers of Christ or Jesus. And some of the ways he did that was through letters, writing them, One of those letters, well, numbers of the letters we have contained in the New Testament of the Bible, but one is called Colossians. We're going to read from Colossians 2, verses 6 through 10. So if you have a Bible, you can turn it on, you can open it up, or it's on the screen here as well. But Colossians 2, 6 through 10, this, I hope, will kind of frame our time together. It reads, So then... Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies, which depend on human tradition and the elemental elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ... All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. I hope it wouldn't be a surprise to any of you. But when our church family answered, what do we desire to look like? The first answer was Jesus. As a larger group of people, we desire to look like Jesus. And so as a larger family, our first priority was to reaffirm our identity as a community of Christ followers. Our identity in Jesus. This is as a family, but it can't be us as a family if it isn't us as individuals, both congregations and people. Our identity in Jesus precedes every other aspect of who we are and is the basis for all the rest. Paul wrote to these early followers of Jesus in this passage, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. The phrase that's used there in the original is literally the Christ Jesus, the Lord. The Christ Jesus, the Lord. It is the strongest possible form and the full title that communicates that Jesus is both Christ and Lord to the fullest extent possible. It's like an overemphasis when you really want to emphasize something and so you put it in all caps or you put exclamation points at the end. It's this overemphasis Paul uses the twice in every title for Jesus in that little phrase. And it's significant. The implications are significant. Because you see, in the Greek language, the language of the day for those people, Christ 
was the translation of a title that the Jewish people have been looking for for years and years and years, looking towards this person known as the Messiah. So when we say Jesus Christ, we're actually saying Jesus Messiah. Paul's writing to these individuals and communicating that the one that this group of people and maybe some of them, depending on their backgrounds, have been searching for, have been longing for the Messiah. This is Jesus. Or another way to say Messiah is anointed king. New Testament expert and author Scott McKnight, in his book, The King Jesus Gospel, writes, If I had to sum up the Jesus of the gospel, I would say King Jesus. Or I would say Jesus is Lord or Jesus is Messiah and Lord. You see, as King, as Messiah, and as Lord, Jesus is Savior or Liberator from our sins. This is the starting place. That's where Paul begins this section of the passage, and it's the starting place for us as a larger family as well. Our identity is firmly in Jesus. What do we hope to look like? Crossroads. What do we hope Crossroads looks like? like Jesus. We've just come through the Christmas season, and I'm sure like many of you, we appreciate the, the songs that go along with the season. In our house, one of the two of us in our marriage relationship doesn't allow those songs to be played until after Thanksgiving. Me, I could probably play them a little longer throughout the year, but no, they're only allowed during certain times. She says it keeps them special, but uh, it's just more her quirks. Anyhow, I enjoy those songs. And on occasion, I hear new songs by artists who have reinterpreted things in terms of just the season and how to express that musically. And I catch a hold of a newer Christmas song that I really like. A few years ago, I came across one by Jamie Grace. It's called Born Tonight. And that upbeat song starts with these lines. Not in a castle like you think, no golden slippers on his feet, the king is born tonight. And that line, the king is born tonight, is just repeated throughout the song many, many times. Also this year, I was reading a devotional uh, through Advent that focused in on the magi or the wise men and their journey towards Jesus. And over and over again, it talked about them desiring to find this new king. They understood that a king had been born, and they're going to find him. Throughout Jesus' life, he was described as a king. It's in his birth, but it's the whole way through. It's embedded in these first lines of this passage as well. And here's my question for me, for you. Even as I sing that song, the king is born tonight. Is that something I just sing about at Christmas? We acknowledge it. Oh, there's a new king. Or does it actually impact my life? It's easy to sing about a king, right? Much harder to think about a king of my life. Jesus is king of what? There's a kingdom, Certainly, Jesus shares about that a lot with his followers, but what about me? What about you? Does Jesus as king have any say or sway? 
Does it mean anything for your life or mine? Am I subject to him? Does he reign on the throne of my life? Paul goes on to say, just as you received King Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. There's this sense that if you say Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King, it should impact your life and mine. And then living in Christ is to be integral to the experience of Christ. That phrase is literally translated, walk in Christ. And what it's trying to communicate is that we're not just to be casual acquaintances with Jesus. Like Jesus is a Facebook friend on the list of many friends you have. And the only reason you know anything about him is because last week he posted about a new kitten that he got. And so you say, yeah, I know that person. They just got a new kitten last week. I saw it, right? That's not the sort of relationship that Paul is writing about here. This is a deep and abiding relationship which impacts our lives. And as a family of churches... We desire to look like that. Yes, the central priority is to have our identity as individuals and as a church in Jesus. But then flowing out of that place, we desire that our church family is full of lifelong disciples of Jesus. That following Jesus is an ongoing and deepening process. Yes, in the BIC and beyond. Paul writes about that in verse 7 with words like this. Rooted, built up, strengthened, overflowing. Have you ever tried to remove a bush or a shrub or that sort of thing that has been growing for many, many years? Well, a number of years ago, um, I owned a four-wheel drive vehicle. Now you're getting the farm truck idea back again, right? I owned this four-wheel drive vehicle, and I had a friend who had these very large shrubs in front of her house, and she asked me and another friend if we wanted to come over and take care of those shrubs for them. She wanted them gone, and I'm like, yes, I got a four-wheel drive vehicle. Of course I want to come over, and... um, You know, one way to do that would be to dig around the outside of it, try to take out some of the roots that are kind of going this way, rock it back and forth a little bit. But if you've ever tried that, that's a lot of work, and I don't want to do that sort of work, right? And so instead, I got a tow rope, and I wrapped that tow rope around the bottom of this large shrub, connected the other part to my four-wheel drive vehicle, backed my vehicle up as close as possible to it so that I could get a running start, locked that baby into four-wheel drive, and tramped on it. I mean, I just was like, take off, right off. I have never experienced such whiplash as when that rope hit taut. Literally, the vehicle with all four tires spinning went sideways and backwards. So after I shook my head and took my foot off the gas, got out of the vehicle to inspect the damage of the bush. Do you know that I couldn't tell any difference between the first time and the second time when I looked at that bush. Nothing had changed. The only thing crooked after that was my neck. That bush was so rooted. It had been for years and years and years. The roots had driven down deep. It was not moving, even after the impact of my, what I thought was a powerful vehicle, ripping it this way. That's what Paul writes about and encourages us in our lives, that our lives should be the same, rooted in Jesus. 
The tense of that word implies something that happened in the past but has continuous effect. Like a securely rooted tree that isn't going to move even under extreme force because its roots run deep. Ours should run deep in Jesus. We're to be rooted in him and also build up. There's this idea of growth and progress in who we are in him. Now, when we come to Jesus, and maybe some of you here this morning or online are wondering about connecting with Jesus, a relationship with Jesus, the neatest thing is that you don't have to be anyone different than who you are right now. Jesus receives us exactly as who we are right now. But the other aspect of that is he doesn't expect that we're going to stay there. Over time of relationship with him, yes, he receives us exactly as we are, wherever you are, whoever you've been. But then, as he looks out and as we look out with him, he expects us to change and grow and develop. And so with Jesus, yes, we're rooted, but then we're built up. As we live our lives, change should and will occur. There'll be growth And we're established in him. We become more stable and firm as we're taught. These are the images Paul uses. And then the fourth one, overflowing. We should overflow as well. Paul's specific reference is to gratitude, that we should overflow with gratitude for what's taking place, this solid, growing relationship with Jesus. So that experience is for us as individuals. Like, we hope and desire that it will happen in me and you. But here's the thing, it should never stop there. What Jesus is doing in you and me was never intended for just you and me. It's actually to overflow. That's the story of Jesus. In fact, that's the story of the kingdom. That it would expand, that it would grow, that it would develop. It's the story in his life. He started with just a few around him. And eventually, that expanded. And so, yes, there's this gratitude that overflows, but it should overflow uh, around to expanding circles to all around us. You see, as Jesus did that when he walked with these people who were following, both literally and in the sense that Paul was writing about, that we walk in Jesus. He did that with this small group And then sent them out, and that group expanded, and what he was doing in them overflowed to others. And then right before he left, left earth to go back to God in heaven, he talked about going out in concentric circles, like start right where you are and share, and then go just a little beyond those boundaries, and then go a little farther and a little farther. And the circles just expand until what? Until we get to the ends of the earth. That Jesus is to be known, that this overflow is to happen to the ends of the earth. One of those close followers was a man named John, and after Jesus had talked about that, and after he returned, and John kept living his life following Jesus, he received this vision of what the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom that Jesus came to establish, what that would eventually be like. Because Jesus talked about a kingdom, and he said, it's here now, but it's also coming. Jesus' kingdom, it's a a little strange. It's here and not yet. But there's this picture that John received 
this revelation from God of what the kingdom would be like. I want to read you this picture. Just imagine this. Revelation 7, 9. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, are you visualizing this? Every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And then one of the final images we read is that God's dwelling place will be among these people. Imagine that picture. Because these images are the fulfillment of what Jesus came to bring. Yes, there's this inbreaking now, but here's this ultimate fulfillment. It's Jesus' prayer, in fact. When those close followers of Jesus said, teach us how to pray, he prayed this exact type of thing, that both the here and now and the not yet, that what Jesus, what God would desire, what his kingdom would be, that it would be done where? On earth as it is in heaven. So for all of this to take place, there's got to be this overflow from his followers, those who are rooted, those who are built up, those who are established in this life-giving and ongoing encounter with Jesus. We if we claim to be one of those, need to pass this on to all of those around us. That's the, that's the essence of identifying with Jesus. So we, as a church, we want to look like that kingdom. We want to overflow. As we look out, we would desire that congregations And the individuals who make up those congregations, that they would multiply, that they would overflow. That, in fact, congregations would reproduce other congregations. And within these local bodies, that leaders would multiply and be reproduced. That the overflowing of who Jesus is and you and me would actually impact people around us. And out of that, there'd be more and more. So as a family, we would multiply. And we understand that whatever's going on here in Mount Joy or wherever I live or wherever the follower of Jesus are found, that's one part of the kingdom. It's an important part, but in fact, the kingdom is global. And so for each one of us, we need to have our eyes not just here, but we need to be looking up and around as well. And so we as a family of churches say, you know what? We need to take more seriously this global impact that we're to have as well. Why has God done these things in us? Why has God given us so much? Because it's to expand and it's to overflow. And so we want to have a global vision as well. You see, it's that vision of the kingdom where every tribe, every tongue, every nation would be represented. And yes, this is the work of Jesus, but guess who he does that work through? It's you and me. So how does that vision come about? It's got to happen through us. And so we want to have that global vision, but guess what? All of those people are right here as well. I was in a meeting this last week, and I haven't had a chance to check this out yet, but it was another church within our family of churches in Lancaster County, and somebody in that meeting told me, told all of us, that per capita, Lancaster County has one of the largest groups of immigrants across our whole nation when you work this out. Guess what? 
That doesn't mean, that means that every tribe, every tongue, every nation, yes, is out there somewhere. That also means that they're potentially right here, Lancaster County. And so for us as a brother in Christ, we say, you know what? We want to look like our communities, whatever that is. And our sense is our community probably looks a little bit different from the average person who's always been found in this family of churches. There's probably a little more diversity than what has been typically shown through us. And so if we want to have that kingdom vision, then that means we need to be serious about reaching all people. So it's actually a priority for us that we would reflect the people around us too, not just the people who look very similar to me. And so we want to grow in that aspect of diversity. We don't just want to have that looking here, but we want the leadership of our church to reflect our communities as well. That men and women, that people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, would actually develop in serving Jesus and lead us in doing so. That's the vision of our church because we want to reflect the vision of the kingdom. Why? Why for Jesus? Return to Colossians 2 verse 9. Paul writes, because all the fullness of God lives in bodily form in Jesus. You see, that's the reason he's our focus. The divine essence, the very DNA of God is Jesus. Jesus is God with skin on. Paul says he's filled, he's whole. Jesus is God. He wrote just before that in verse 8, Paul warns these people by extension, us. He warns them against the teachings and philosophies which might deceive us into looking at any other spot than Jesus. And when you read that, you might think like Paul is anti-intellectual or something like that, or he doesn't believe wisdom can be found in any other spot. That's not really what he's saying. What he's saying here is that the secret to life isn't found in a philosophy, but a person. Jesus. So we need to be sure that ultimate meeting is found and is coming through Jesus. Because after all, the fullness, all the fullness of God is present and ongoing in him. And in him, we can be filled as well. He's given us everything that matters for life through that connection. Jesus is head. He's king over every power and authority. You see, because Jesus is king, his rule and reign, his kingdom is the ultimate kingdom. It's here and not yet, not yet ultimately established. It spans the globe. It's encompassing every person on earth, and it's right here in Mount Joy. And you and I are invited to be a part of it. And the reality is our larger church family is only going to be able to identify with Jesus. They're only going to be able to have people who grow and follow him throughout their lives, which results in multiplication, multiplication of churches, multiplication of leaders. Our family of churches is only going to be able to be filled and led by people who reflect the wondrous variety of people all around us. And have a global vision if you and I are doing so. 
Because the church, whether across the U.S. or here in Mount Joy, can't be described in that way unless you and I are described in that way. Unless we receive King Jesus and live our lives in him. For God's kingdom to come and his will to be done in Mount Joy as it is in heaven, it begins in and through me, you and me. So let me pause on the broader church sort of focus, and let's just think individually just for the last few minutes we have together. Are you sitting here this morning, or maybe you're listening online somewhere? Have you yet to receive Jesus as king of your life? Have you done that? Is Jesus, can you say that Jesus is king of your life? If not, what's holding you back? Maybe you're listening because you need to learn a little bit more about Jesus. You don't actually understand who Jesus was and is. Or maybe you need to dig into some aspects of what he said because there's some areas where you stumble around a bit. Or maybe it doesn't have anything to do with that and it's actually the implications. You fully get what Jesus said, what he was talking about, but it's the implications in my life or in yours that are holding you back. You know what? I would encourage you. I get it is really hard, isn't it, to give over control of things, especially our lives, to someone else or something else? Crazy thing that I have found is that when I think I'm most in control of my own life, that illusion comes crashing down pretty quickly. And what I've found is, actually, rather than living under the illusion that I actually have control, it would be much better if the control of my life was under someone who actually was worthy of that level of control. And I have found that in Jesus, he's actually worthy of that level of control because it's not an illusion. He actually has it. So what's holding you back? I would encourage you to open yourself up to Jesus, to his reign and rule. Take one more step towards him today, whatever that is. And for those of us who have said yes to Jesus, and I would put myself in that camp, in what ways do you and I need to overflow with the fullness of Jesus? Because whatever we're receiving isn't meant for us alone, to be kept to ourselves. So who are you and I intentionally building relationships with and sharing in that overflow? In the midst of your relationships, is there anyone you're interacting with or seeing who is not exactly like yourself, not exactly like me? That maybe in our intentionality of sharing relationships, it might actually help Jesus' kingdom to be more fully represented right here in Mount Joy or at Crossroads? Maybe who are the people in this area who do not yet know the wonder and goodness of King Jesus? Is there any group specifically that Crossroads should be thinking about who are overlooked, who are not represented? If we don't know the answer to that question, I believe it deserves some intentional thought, both personally and, yes, as a community of people who say they take Jesus as their king. Take the time to do so. Ask Jesus, who are you, crossroads, missing around you with whom you need to be open? Invest in relationship. 
from initiating to deepening. Because it is in and through that that Jesus desires his kingdom to advance. And it is in and through that that Jesus desires his kingdom to come and his will to be done in Mount Joy as it is in heaven. Let's pray to that end. Pray with me. Jesus, all of this can only be done in you, and so we start with you, your identity. You're the reason that we gather. You're the reason that we have life and have the potential to even achieve this vision. And so I pray that you're challenging each one of us, that you're challenging those of us who have yet to truly say yes to you as king of our lives. And then for the rest who have said that, I pray that even right now, people or images or names of individuals are coming up in our minds and hearts of who you want to reach next through us. May the overflow of who you are in our lives truly impact those around us. And as that happens individually or as families, then may that be the place for crossroads planted here in Mount Joy. And may Mount Joy reflect your wondrous kingdom. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Any step you take towards Jesus is a step in the right direction. You can find out more about us at crbic.org. That's crbic.org.